Have you been thinking about starting a business in a topic or a niche you really, really love, but you're afraid that it's an overly saturated market and you'll never get traction? Well, what if I told you that a saturated market is actually a good thing? Let's discuss. Welcome to episode 42 of The Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build your online business, work less, and live, and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. Honored to hang out with you yet again today. We got to talk about market saturation. We got to talk about starting your business. Uh, This is going to be a great episode for you if you're thinking about starting a business If you've already started and you're starting to second guess whether this is the topic or niche you should be in, or if you've been in a market for a while and you're not really getting the traction you wished you were getting, and you're starting to think maybe it's because the market is so saturated. We're going to talk about this idea of market saturation. I'm going to give you three actionable tips on how to grow or start your business in an overly saturated market. And we're going to debunk a couple of popular myths here. I think this will be helpful and encouraging to you. If you are looking to start a business, before we jump into the content, I got to recommend a passive income style business, an online business. That's probably why you're here. If not, maybe you're a service-based business. Many of my students are. They do one-on-one consulting or they have a service they've been doing for a while, whether they're fitness coaches or they're uh, artists or they're audio engineers or photographers, whatever they are. They've got that business, but it's freelance, it's service-based, and they're like, man, I would love to be able to scale up my income a little bit without me having to trade more hours or just continue to raise my rates. And the only way to do that is to build a passive income business or a passive income element to your business. And if that's overwhelming to you or you're coming from the crowd that says, ah, passive income isn't real, well, it's very real. And if you just need the step-by-step method for how to build it, then I've got that for you. I've put together an entire workshop called my Passive Income Workshop, which is designed to show you how to build your first $1,000 a month of passive income in just 30 minutes a day of work. So it's perfect for you if you already have something, day job, service-based business, school, whatever, and you want to start this on the side so it can ramp up. That's what I love about this kind of business is very rarely does it start big, but that's a good thing. You can start it small and you can put these building blocks in place. There's four components to make passive income work. No one's just going to give you money for no reason. You need these four elements in place. And so I have a workshop that walks you through all four elements, how to do them, what order to do them and how they affect each other. Templates I'm using, tools you can use. It's pretty meaty, and it gives you the entire framework for how I run this business, how I run the Recording Revolution, which does seven figures a year. It's a simple business model, but it works, and it works in any topic or niche. And so what I've done is taught this in a 45, 50-minute workshop. Um, So if you're serious about it, it's free. I want to give it to you as my gift to you. If you really want to dive deep, just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop. The link is below if you're watching on YouTube, grahamcochran.com slash workshop. Highly recommend you carve out some time to watch this 45-minute workshop uh, and then do it. Actually implement all the stuff I'm teaching in there. You can do it. The model doesn't change. There's nuances that evolve and change. We talked about this last month in 2020, what has changed for online business. The good news is the model hasn't changed. So watch the workshop. Make your plan for 2020 to start your passive income business or passive income element of your business, and you'll have the what and the how there. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the the idea of this in a saturated market, but at least you'll know the building blocks for starting your business. So again, that's all at grahamcochran.com slash workshop. All right, so I love this conversation because I get it a lot. I get the question a lot. It's a fair question. Um... And I think it's a re- I think it's a fascinating conversation about market saturation. So people tell you, or you might be telling yourself, or maybe you're asking me, like it's a bad idea to start a business in a saturated market, right? Everyone's already doing it there. Everyone's already doing it well there. So shouldn't I, if I want my best chance of success, shouldn't I want to go into a new market or an underserved market, looking for that, you know, 
green space where there's ripe opportunity. And while I understand there's a lot of logic to that, for example, um, in the real estate market, if you go to a certain area of town that's becoming really hot, everyone's buying and flipping homes or buying homes as rentals or investment properties or whatever, at some point, the really, really nice areas or the trendy areas or neighborhoods get bought up and there's fewer deals there. So it is hard to get a deal there and you have to look for underserved areas or those prices just shoot up because what once was not a cool area has now become expensive. For example, a few years ago, I flew up to Philadelphia to shoot an interview with a company and I was in the cab from the hotel to the studio where we were gonna film the interview. And the cab driver had been driving in Philadelphia for years. It was this old guy. Um, and he was just telling me about the city. Um, he's like, you know, the area that I was going to for this um, interview was in the Fish District. If you're from Philadelphia, correct me if I'm saying it wrong. It's like the Fish District or something like that. And he's like, do you know much about the Fish District? I was like, no, I don't get it. And he's like, well, this used to be a bunch of fish packing plants and factories and blue collar jobs. There's a lot of just, it was industrial. And then a lot of these businesses went out of business because of manufacturing overseas or taste change or whatever it was. And so this whole part of the city became like a ghost town and it was just empty. And then what happened was is since the nobody wanted to live there and the real estate was super cheap, a bunch of college students started to like rent properties there and live there and then go to school because it was cheaper to live there. And then what that meant was there's this influx of young people there. And then all of a sudden there were some bars and restaurants that would creep up to serve those young people. And then all of a sudden it became this trendy place that all the young people, as he called them, wanted to be. And, uh, then people started to buy and uh, restore and renovate and flip like old buildings and warehouses, turn them into condos and mixed use space and workspaces and all these different things. All of a sudden, the fish district or whatever it was called there, it, it's blown up. And now it's like the trendy, you know, hipster neighborhood with like awesome coffee shops in every corner and real estate super ridiculously expensive. And that's, that happens in neighborhoods all over the place. These, these old, lower-income areas can become the new trendy hot place and then actually prices people out, which can be a really bad thing for people. But it's kind of interesting how people see opportunity and they jump on it and then it becomes saturated and there's no more opportunity. So I'm trying to give, paint the picture of where we get this you know, market saturation. That's, that's just one example. It's not just in real estate or in city development, but that's a, a physical representation of maybe what you feel. You want to start a business in your niche, but you're thinking, gosh, so-and-so already does what I'm trying to do and they're doing a, such a good job. Or multiple so-and-sos. It's probably the people that you follow on YouTube or Instagram or podcasts that you listen to and you're thinking, man, they're already crushing it in this space. It's saturated. And maybe it actually is saturated. Maybe there are actually a million people in this space. But the first thing we got to say is, do you even know that the market's saturated? Because just because you follow someone or a couple someones or three someones that you think are doing a fantastic job in the space doesn't mean it's saturated. Do you actually know how many people are online right now interested in that topic versus how many people those two or three big gurus are able to serve and are currently serving? Do you know the numbers? You probably don't. Maybe maybe you're a freak and you figured it out and you're, you're more studious than the rest of us. But I'm willing to bet that you haven't really seen the facts that your market is saturated. So don't assume that just because you follow someone that you think is crushing it or is doing a great job or you would love to emulate, don't assume that that market is saturated. You might see everything that person's posting or doing or creating, but most people don't. There's plenty of people that I follow that I'll ask a friend, hey, do you follow so-and-so that I haven't even heard of them, right? The internet is so big. Just keep that in mind throughout this whole episode. The internet is so big. Why? Because the world is so big. We think it's small because globalization and the internet has made us feel smaller, but it hasn't changed the number of people that are online right now and are coming online every single day. But then let's just assume, okay, let's just assume that the market is saturated, right? Like the market I'm in right now, business. 
business and entrepreneurship has got to be the most, if not one of the most, saturated markets ever, especially in this day and age when anyone and everyone could have a business because the tools have made it easier, the internet's made it cheaper and easier. Uh, and so business is even more appealing to the masses than it was 30 years ago, right? Entrepreneurship is even more accessible. So there's more people talking about it. This is such a saturated market. Does that mean you can't have a business in this market? Two years ago when I jumped in this space, it was crazy saturated. Now this is a six-figure business. It hasn't really been that hard. And I don't mean to say that as if, as if it's like an easy thing to do. I'm just saying that there is a lot of potential in every market. We'll get to that more specifically in a minute. But I'm able to make a second business successful in a super saturated niche. Hmm. And it's not because the people in my previous business followed me over. They have There's hardly any crossover. I have a few. I have a few people that were very interested in audio stuff and interested in the fact that I had a business over there and they wanted to do something similar. So I have had some crossover, but I had to start over from scratch with a brand new email list, zero people following me on uh, YouTube, like from scratch, okay? I think if your niche, and let's just assume your niche is saturated like my niche is, I think a saturated market is actually a good thing. Okay? You want to know why? It means there is a market. <laughs> it means there is a market for what you have to offer. Right? The worst thing you could do is spend your precious free time, evenings, weekends, early mornings, working on building your online business, following all the things I'm teaching you, creating content, building online courses, writing really good emails, creating good funnels, all this stuff. The worst thing would be you spend your precious few extra moments that you have that you're willing to invest in building a business and you build it for a topic or a niche that has no market. It's untapped because there is no market, because nobody wants to pay for anything in that market. Now, I'm not going to assume that nobody wants to pay anything in any market because I think you could make money in just about any market. But you are taking almost a bigger risk if you want to build your business in a market that nobody's in. Because if there's no market there, doesn't that tell you something? Just like if there is a market, doesn't that tell you something? especially if it's saturated, like the fitness industry. The fitness industry, again, has got to be one of the most saturated markets, if not the most. Fitness and business, I don't know. I have to look at the actual numbers, but fitness could be the most saturated. Everybody wants to lose weight, especially this time of year, right? We're just finishing up January. Everybody wants to lose weight, go to the gym, get healthier. So they're interested in food. They're interested in diet. They're interested in exercise. They're interested in you know, meditation and, and all kinds of personal wellness stuff. I mean, there's a million people talking about this, teaching this, have been since the dawn of time. But what does that tell you? Every year, there are going to be people who will pull out their wallets and pay for another workout routine, another diet uh, plan, another book from a fitness guru, They'll subscribe to a, a box subscription for healthy foods or pre-planned meals, it, gym memberships. I mean, the, it, there is plenty of money to be made because it, it is a proven market. It is a market that is insatiable. It is a market that is relevant. That is, it's not based off of trends. It's not even based off of economics. When the economy collapses, maybe some some specific products in that fitness market go down, but people's health is important to them because they want to live longer. People's bodies are important to them because of just pure vanity. We want to look good. Those things don't go away in bad economic times. We'll cut other stuff before we cut like how good we look or how healthy we are to a certain extent. Again, there are always some things that, that die in uh, recessions, but that's such a strong market. 
Like people always want to feel good and look good in good times and bad times. And they will, they will have money to spend in good times or bad times, as opposed to restaurants, let's say, right? Like going out to restaurants, there's a certain group of restaurants that probably lose a lot of business in a recession because they're a nice to have and they're not a necessity. Whereas fitness and health and looking good, that is always, always on trend. So it's not, it's not risky to go into the fitness business because it's a proven market. Do you see what I'm saying here? I, there are a lot of things I can't control. Um, I can't control who's gonna buy my product or if my advertising or marketing strategy or promotion is gonna stick. Like I can do the best that I can to build products, to build content, to create good marketing, but I can't make people buy. I can't guarantee anything. So I'd like to at least set myself up for success wherever I can. And so jumping into a, a niche or a market that's saturated is kind of like setting myself up for success because it's proven and tested. I don't have to, to take a risk on a market that hasn't been proven or tested. That's the first point I want, point I want you to get. What's funny is that even my audio market in the recording revolution, which you could call that market like music production or audio engineering, home studio musicians market. I don't know what exactly you want to call it. People think that market is saturated now. Okay, that market is tiny compared to business, compared to uh, fitness, compared to so many of these other you know niches and topics. It is this little subculture of musicians, not only just musicians, but it's a culture within musician culture that wants to record their own music at home and wants to play with the equipment a little bit, or at least have enough guts to DIY. That little tiny niche, it has exploded in the last decade to be sure, but it's funny because there are people that are either my students or just are in a similar space that want to do what I do. So they're like, hey, They'll email me, Graham, I want your honest opinion. I've been following your stuff for years. I love your stuff. I'm considering starting a YouTube channel and an online business teaching music production and recording, much like what you do. Is the market too crowded for me? Is it even possible for me? I mean, you're doing such a good job. There's other people doing such a good job. And they are afraid that our little niche is overly saturated. And so it just goes to show it's the same fear. It's a misguided fear. And I tell them, are you kidding me? Jump on in, my friend. Jump on in because this is now a proven market. 10 years ago when I started, it was not a proven market. It was proven only in the sense that a lot of people would buy uh, magazines or certain big magazines in this space. And there were a couple of companies, there was one in particular that was selling some tutorials on audio production that had gotten pretty big and they had done some big marketing and I was aware of them and I had bought some of their courses um, a lot of their courses weren't very good, in my opinion, but um, I could even tell there was a little bit of a market, but that was that was it. I was really jumping in, not because I thought it was strategic. It was because, well, I lost a job. I didn't know what else to do, and I was kind of just following the Holy Spirit and God's promptings and trying to figure this thing out. I didn't have a grand plan. I had no wisdom in this. I didn't see, I'm no Jeff Bezos, right? I'm no Steve Jobs. I'm no Elon Musk. <laughs> we were talking about Elon last week. I, I'm not able to look in the future and say like, ah, this is where the market's going. Had no clue, okay? I was very blessed that God was leading me into a up and coming market. So I jumped in hoping it would work. If you're interested in audio recording, you could jump in today knowing it will work because the market is proven. It is hungry, it's insatiable. And now people are used to buying courses and they know about it and there's money to be spent there. People like me have been, quote unquote, and I don't use this lightly, have been pioneers in this little space to kind of pave the way for other people to say, oh yeah, I can make money in this space, and you can. The reason that a saturated market is good is because it tells you that it's a proven and tested market. The reason why you can make money in a saturated market beyond the fact that it's proven and tested is that there are always more customers out there. Always. This whole idea, all oh, the market's full, and I've got my percentage of market share. In what we're doing, especially if you're selling information and knowledge and yourself as a brand, 
in a certain topic or niche as opposed to real estate or beer or whatever traditional products are out there, there are always more customers for you. And a couple of reasons why. One, if you think about any topic or niche, right? Let's just take business, for example. If I go to Barnes & Noble or any bookstore and I'm like, I want to learn about business. And I find a book by an author who seems credible on business and I buy it and read it. Let me ask you, is that going to be the only book on business I ever read? No. Is that going to be the only author in the business section I ever read from? No. Have you looked at my Kindle? Have you looked at my bookshelf? I can't even tell you how many authors I've read in the topic or niche of business. I read all of them. Why? Because I want to know it all. I want to learn. Don't you do the same? What, what hobbies do you have? What are you interested in? What topics of books do you have on your bookshelf? Is, it only, is there only just one author? Once you found that author, it's the only one you ever read? You're listening to a podcast. You're watching a video right now. Am I the only person in the topic of business or online business that you listen to? Probably not, right? If you're wise, probably not. I wouldn't just listen to just me. I'm giving you my take on things. I'm giving you my perspective on things. It might be helpful. I hope it's helpful. But you should listen to other voices. Now, I wouldn't listen to everybody because you just don't have time and you're going to spread yourself thin. But there should be a few voices that you eventually sort of like after you've listened to a bunch or read a bunch, you feel like, you know, these are the three or four or two or whatever that really resonate with me and I learned the most from. That's fine. But that's that's the whole point. I, I'm, I want to learn from everybody. In the audio space, I want to learn from everybody. In the health space, I learn from everybody. So the same is true for you. People who are customers of, of your competitors, if you want to use that word, could easily be your customers as well. There's no one size fits all or, oh, I bought a course from one person, therefore I'm never going to buy a course from somebody else. In my audio space, a lot of my customers buy courses from my competitors. A lot of my customers are in memberships with me and my competitors. They're in all of them because they want more of the stuff. So there are always more customers out there. It's not a fixed pie like, oh crap, he's got all the customers. There's no more left for me. That's not how this works because your customers will double, triple, quadruple dip for one. And there are more and more people coming online every day that have never diving, dove in, dived. I don't know how to speak the English language. Can you please help me speak the English language? There are more people coming online that have not figured out who the big players are in this space. They haven't discovered anybody yet. And if you're putting out content, you are just as discoverable as anybody else. That's the beauty of an online business, especially with the way the algorithms are going. YouTube changed their algorithm last year where they, they are not putting as much of an emphasis on YouTube um, channels that have bigger subscriber bases that isn't weighted as heavily as it used to be before. It's based primarily on relevance and engagement. So you can be a smaller YouTube channel and rank just as high as a bigger YouTube channel if you have a lot of relevance and engagement on your video. So you have more and more opportunity to be discovered as a small player in any space you're in now than ever before. It's all continuing to move in your favor. So it's a level playing field. It is a beautiful time to be online, so you can be discovered. More people are coming online, and look, you don't need the whole friggin' market to make a great living. You don't need the whole market. Okay, I just did um, a few weeks ago. I was doing a webinar um, teaching my email subscribers, and hopefully, you came on how to build six figures this year and three secrets of six figures. And in the webinar, one of the things I broke down was different examples of different businesses that have are running six figures and how you can do it in different ways. And one of those examples is uh, one of my buddies who runs a mastermind. And the first product he ever had in this space was a mastermind. Now, he he's an author, and so he has an email list from people that liked his book, but he never sold anything beyond the book. Uh, and so he decided to go online and he created a 12-person mastermind at $1,000 a pop. He had a relevant fan base, an email list of lots of people, but he, he only needed 12 people who wanted to have access to him and learn from him directly. He sold out all 12 
which means 12K a month. That's $144,000 a year, six figures with just 12 customers. Could you live a happy, satisfying, and prosperous life making $144,000 US a year? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could. In most places, you could. That's a great living. That's more than twice the average, or excuse me, medium household income in the US. So yeah, that's a nice living with 12 customers. My point being, you don't need all of the market. You and I aren't trying to build the next Amazon. You and I aren't trying to build the next Netflix. You and I aren't trying to build the next Anheuser-Busch, right? We, we aren't like fighting for market share here. That is a complete misnomer. That it's like, don't, I, I love to learn from big business, but don't think like a big business when it comes to the market. You and I just need a tiny little slice. Like a tiny, we just need a little taste, right? Nacho Libre. We need to see what it tastes like. That's all you need. Little taste. Taste of the glory. Don't eat the whole thing. So when you start to look at the whole market, you're like, oh my gosh. Like if you're getting into fitness and you're like, man, there's the big players like Beachbody with Tony Horton and P90X. And then there's all these online people. And how am I ever going to compete? You're going to shoot yourself in the foot. And if that means you walk away from the fitness industry, you could be walking away from a nice six-figure income because all you need is a little slice, right? Kevin Kelly, we've talked about this, the, the thousand true fans concept. His whole deal was you don't need a million followers. You don't need a million customers. You just need a thousand customers paying you $100 a year for something or eight bucks a month, I like to say. If you could get a thousand people paying eight bucks a month, you're making $100,000 a year. You just need a small slice. So this whole saturated market thing is nonsense. So let's kind of move to the back end of this episode. Let me give you three tips if you are finding yourself starting a business or already in a business in a saturated market, let me give you three tips that will help you start and grow in that market. But do you see how we needed to start with dispelling the mindset? It's not a problem. It's not a bad thing. But let me give you three tips to really help you if you are concerned or you're just stuck. Maybe you're in a saturated market. You're like, Graham, I get it. I get it. But I'm plateaued. These three tips might help you. Hopefully, at least one of them does. Tip number one niche down, niche down, depending on where you live, right? Have you ever heard the saying, the riches are in the niches? In a world with saturated markets and in a world with a lot of copycat people and everybody doing the same thing, one way to stand out is to not do exactly the same thing, but to niche down and serve a more hyper-focused subset of the people in your market. A lot of people are afraid to do this because, again, bad thinking. They think, oh, now I'm going to have even fewer people that would be a good fit for my product or services or content. And they, they completely miss the point. Again, that scarcity thinking, abundance thinking tells you there's plenty of people, more than enough people, even within my niche. So it starts with a fundamental flaw in how you view the world. Having a scarcity mindset viewing the world is just going to set you up for failure in all aspects of your life, relationships, finances, business, period. Having an abundance mentality, and we should do a whole episode on this, but having an abundance mentality of like, there's more than enough for me. There's a more than enough love, money, opportunity in business to go around. Changes the way you view the world for the better. Same world, different perspective, okay? But that getting past that inherent flaw, there's plenty of people even within a niche of your market. But the great thing and the counterintuitive thing about niching down, getting hyper-focused and specific in who you serve is that you actually stand out because you look like the expert on a very specific subset. You actually become more appealing and more um, people become more aware of you, the people that you're a good fit for. Okay, a couple examples. There's a great website called nerdfitness.com. What a great way to stand out, right? What a great way to stand out. In a world of people looking to get more fit and in shape, this person decided to start a website in a business completely focused on non-traditional workout mm, stereotypes. Yeah, that's probably the word I'm looking for, right? Because if I'm 
if I consider myself a nerd, let's say, and I'm, 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 I would maybe self-identify with that if I feel like I'm skinny or I'm not very athletic and I'm a, I want to work out, I want to get in shape, either lose weight or build muscle or just feel better about myself or work on my cardiovascular or whatever, but I'm afraid to go to the gym because I'm going to be around a bunch of meatheads, right? That's going to be, I'm a stereotype and I'm going to stereotype other people. Gyms are full of a bunch of meatheads that are going to make me uncomfortable. I'm going to feel insecure. Um, or or I just don't like being around a lot of people grunting and sweating with you know arms bigger than my torso, right? That might be what they're thinking. If they're on the internet looking for like fitness stuff, if they were to discover an entire website called Nerd Fitness with pictures of skinny people getting in shape with like references to like Lord of the Rings and like Star Wars, like, Again, I'm huge stereotyping right now because I, I am a secret nerd. Like I love Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. How genius is that? How appealing is that? Because you feel safe if you're a nerd. Now, if I'm a meathead and I see a website called Nerd Fitness, eh, I'll skip it. But that goes back to what we talked about a few episodes ago about polarizing content. Have a polarizing brand. Be clear who your brand is for and who it's not for. That's the same thing, Right? Nerd Fitness is a, this site blows up, by the way, it crushes, but it's genius because it's a certain niche within the fitness niche. My brother-in-law runs a fitness business called Fitness for Back Pain. There's a niche, right? He's a personal coach, a fitness coach. He's run gyms and he's got experience with lower back pain. Um, his whole life. He had disc problems. He was told to get a fusion. He wanted to find other ways to do it, you know, without having to do surgery. And so he figured out how to be able to continue to work out because he's big into fitness and train others who have back pain because you have to do things differently. And so he's figured out actually how to help mitigate back pain through exercise and also how to exercise strategically if you have back pain. So he decided he used to have a fitness business that was just fitness and he decided to niche down to fitness for back pain. You can go to fitnessforbackpain.com, check them out. But again, niche within a niche, right? One of my buddies, Jordan Valeriot, he runs a very similar business to The Recording Revolution, teaching audio production and tutorials. We do almost the exact same thing, but his business is called hardcoremusicstudio.com. And he teaches the same stuff I teach, but to a specific genre of music, hardcore, metalcore, heavy metal, Anything that's aggressive, those little subgenres, he teaches specifically to that genre. That will exclude some people that aren't into that genre, but for the people that maybe follow me, but that's the genre that they mix in or record in, they would be more apt to buy his stuff than mine because it's a specialty. Right? And it just goes back to the same thing doctors, right? You could become a doctor and be like, well, there's tons of doctors. Well, yeah, there's tons of doctors. Granted, they're location specific, so that's why doctors can work because you need a doctor in your neighborhood or in your town. But think about a general practice, general practitioner, family doctor versus a heart surgeon, right? A heart surgeon has niched down from doctor to heart medicine to heart surgery. If you have a heart problem, are you going to go to your family doctor or are you going to go to a heart surgeon? to give you the straight answer. You're probably going to go to the heart surgeon. You'll probably actually pay more because that person's a specialty doctor, a specialist. You 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 trust them inherently to know more about the heart than your family doctor, even if your family doctor knows just as much or pretty close to it. There's something about you respect people who specialize. That's all we're saying here is if you're afraid that your market is overly crowded, what niche can you go in? How deep can you niche down? You can make more money, command higher rates. You can build a more loyal following. And again, you don't need, you may not big, build as big of a following if you niche down, but it'll be more relevant. You can probably make just as much, if not more money. You'll stand out when people type in certain keywords. Like if someone types in like working out and back pain, they could come up with anybody's website that teaches working out that might know stuff about back pain. But Will, my brother-in-law's entire business is called Fitness for Back Pain. And if he comes up and like, oh my gosh, this whole business is Fitness for Back Pain. I'm going to pay attention to what he says. Even if so-and-so over here could teach you the same stuff about fitness with back pain, Will's brand is called Fitness for Back Pain. Do you see what we're doing here? So niching down could be huge for you. Tip number two to starting or growing a business in a saturated market. 
have better customer service than the competitors, right? The beginning of this year, I had an episode on mistakes people are making in online business for 2020. And one of the things that I talk about in that episode that you can no longer get away with with online business is bad customer service or zero customer service. You must over-deliver and must crush it in customer service. It's that personal touch that's lacking in the online space. We can't get away with it anymore, myself included. Customer service, I mean, this is the oldest thing in the book, but customer service will always set you apart in any niche. You know, for example, you could go to any restaurant in Tampa and there's so many popping up. This is such a foodie town and it's become even more of a foodie town. There's new restaurants opening up every single weekend uh, and they're all good. Food's great, right? If the customer service is bad at a restaurant, even if the food's great, people here in Tampa aren't gonna put up with it. They're gonna go somewhere else where they're treated better because they can't, because that feels good. I've talked about this before, but Chick-fil-A, man. God bless Chick-fil-A. Now, I, I like their food, but it's just a chicken sandwich. I like waffle fries. It's just a different shape. Chick-fil-A sauce is pretty good. But it's, you know, you could argue that the food's better. And I actually have a friend that um, that worked at, um, oh my gosh, maybe he's Purdue. Maybe that's where they got their chicken. I forget where they buy their chicken. But yeah, I think it might have been Purdue. But he used to like, work in sort of the back end of when they would sell mass chicken to a lot of these fast food restaurants. He said that the cut of meat that Chick-fil-A buys is actually a better cut of meat than the other fast food places that do chicken sandwiches. So yeah, you could argue maybe it's better food. Well, we won't argue that. I love Chick-fil-A and their food. But the reason people go to Chick-fil-A over Wendy's or anywhere else is customer service. It's the experience. The restaurants are always clean. Um, they're always playing peaceful music. If you listen, by the way, it's all like CCM contemporary Christian songs, but instrumental versions. <laughs> it's like the cheesiest stuff, but it like it's very like upbeat and peaceful. It's no modern radio. It's not like anything. There's no. There's, it's all family friendly. All right, that's part of the experience. There's flowers on the table, little flower vases. They say, "Can I?" Can I help the next guest? They don't call you customer. I was just at a, a fast food place, um, fast casual place in Anaheim last weekend. Um, the food was really good. What was it called? It's called The Habit. If you guys have The Habit around you, it was pretty good. I only got a salad, but it was like legit with couscous and avocado. So food was great. But I noticed that the manager said, can I help the next customer? That's what everybody says. Can I help the next customer? Mm, not Chick-fil-A. Can I help the next guest? Ooh, I'm a guest in your home. I feel honored already. Got the feels, got the happy feels already. And I'm coming up to the counter already. So I can help the next guest. When you say thank you, they say my pleasure. They're super polite. They do such a good job. It's just fast food people, but it's this extra touch of customer service. Uh, the same is true for Southwest Airlines. My personal favorite airline. My business credit card is Southwest Airlines. I get points. Fly for free a lot because of Southwest. Last couple of years, I had enough points. I, I get the companion pass now, which is super dope, by the way. I'm just totally bragging because it's super cool. I thought I'd never get this, but it's literally a little card you get that's kind of pointless because you don't use the card. But it means that I can assign someone as my companion for the whole calendar year, and he or she can fly free with me anytime I fly. So I made Shay my companion. So anytime we fly somewhere in Southwest, um, if I got points, I just use the points on me and my daughters and then Shay flies free or if we have to buy them, Shay flies free. doesn't matter. She flies free if she's with me for the whole year. It doesn't matter how many flights you book. We could book a flight every weekend and she'd fly free. Isn't that awesome? Anyway, big plug for Southwest credit card, by the way, for your business. If you like flying, it's good. You get some sweet points. Um, Southwest, okay. When they, when they, were founded in the 70s, I want to say. Uh, I forget exactly what year. Um, could have been the early 80s, I think 70s. It was like really a weird time to start an airline because there was plenty of big airlines. They were small. They were basically a regional airline. Um, and they did things weird. They don't have first class. They don't serve meals. Um, they are Their entire fleet is the exact same 
plane. It's a Boeing 737. They don't have any other planes, which is interesting, by the way. So all their pilots and all their technicians and mechanics are all trained on the one. No one has to be trained on anything else. Anybody could plug in anywhere else because it's all the same plane. So there's a little bonus tip there for simplicity. But what they prided themselves on, other than being a low-cost air carrier, low fare, was customer service. And I don't know if you fly a lot or if you've flown on multiple airlines. I've flown on almost every airline you can imagine. And while there are nice people and I've had good experiences on plenty of airlines, Southwest consistently has the best customer service from everyone that works there. Ticket counter, when you check in, the person um, doing the boarding process at the gate, super nice. All the flight attendants, customer service. They treat you like a human being in an age where many times, and not all, but many times, other airlines, you get treated like cattle. You just herd it onto the plane, herd it off the plane. Get on, get off. Because it's just, a, it's a giant mess. It's a, I can't even imagine being an airline. What a complicated business. But Southwest treats you like a human being. They crack jokes on the intercom. They are just super kind. It's these little personal touches that go a long way. They're just an air carrier. They're just a, it's just a flight. Like a lot of people don't care what airline they're on. They just want to get from the one city to the next city. And I get that. And they get that. So they have to stand out in different ways. And this is one of the ways they stand out. So for you, can you have better customer service than your competitor? Okay. For example, my wife, she's got this cool app, but I think she and I heard about this. Um, Pat Flynn was talking about this on a podcast with... Donald Miller, he was talking about this app called Bonjuro. Maybe you have this, but you can set it up to alert you the moment that you have a new customer. So if you if you only get like a new customer or two every day and it's not crazy, um, this will alert you the moment you have a new customer. It'll push to your phone and say, hey, you have a new customer. Graham just bought your course. And then in that, that app, immediately, you can put up the phone wherever you are and record a custom video message to that customer. Hey, Graham, just saw that you purchased whatever, whatever course. I want to say thanks so much. I'm so honored to have you as a student. If you need anything, you can contact our support. So glad to have you here. Boom. It emails them this custom video with, with you, the founder, saying their name within minutes of them joining or hours or later that day or the next day or whenever you get to it. It's that personal touch. My wife got it. She's been doing that. And she's had people saying that they're blown away that they heard from the founder of, her, of the company. Because she, her face isn't on the brand um, nearly as much as it used to be, especially the, the subscription product she's selling now. It's really hardly anywhere. You wouldn't even know it's her if you, if you don't know the product very well. So people just join it as a utility, as a service that they want. Um, and all of a sudden, they're getting a personal message from the founder. So what can you do to offer better customer service than your competitors, especially those that are getting bigger? I'll be honest, at the recording revolution, it's gotten harder to touch all my customers as it's gotten bigger. When you get hundreds of emails every day, it's a lot. When you have 20,000 plus customers, it's a lot. So, I mean, I have help. I have my assistant who's in email, getting in touch with everybody every day and making sure they've got exactly what they need. So, because I'm bad with email and I'm, I'm running two brands and I'm doing content a lot um, like this. And I've got coaching calls coming up later today. I've got stuff going on. I, don't, I didn't want people waiting to hear from me. So in the recording revolution, I've got someone in there multiple times a day responding to emails right away as they come, five days a week. So I'm trying to take care of my customers and do a better job, but it's almost easier for a brand new business or a smaller business to do better customer service than me and stand out. Better customer service will help you grow in a saturated market. And third and final tip to start or grow a business in a saturated market is to give more free content. Now, that might be overwhelming for like, Graham, I'm doing as much free content as I possibly can. I get it. I get it. Let me paint a picture for you. The people that are growing or who are already big, you would think would put out the most content. And while that might be true for some brands, that becomes less true for others because there's other projects they want to start. They already have some momentum. They've already got some good traffic. They don't maybe necessarily need to put out as much content. I'm a good example. When I started, I put out three pieces of free content a week, every week for four years. Now I put out one because I don't need to put out three anymore. 
Um, and there's other things I want to do. Like I started this business, right? If I'm putting out tons and tons and tons of content on the recording revolution, I, I feel like I do put out a lot, but if I was putting out even more than I do now, I probably wouldn't have the time to do this brand. If you want to stand out, you got to put out more, more free content than the competition. Now that doesn't mean a bunch of extra podcasts or in-depth videos on YouTube. You can still have your one main core piece of content, but you could put out more short snippets on Instagram, Facebook. You can do more behind the scenes footage. You can just go live. That all counts. You can just you can do quick you can just send more emails to your list, little thoughts. Right? It doesn't have to be like this big piece. You could spend 30 minutes and create a piece of content. 15 minutes. Just go live for 15 minutes on your phone. That's a piece of content. But the more free, valuable touch points you have for your audience that focus on audience building, the better chance you have a success. And if you're brand new, like if you're starting your business right now, I wouldn't worry about a product right now. Everybody wants, and I get it, you want to make money. But the way you make money is you build an audience. I've said it at the very beginning of this brand, and I'll say it as often as I possibly can. One of my previous students, I saw him out in California this weekend at an event, and he brought this phrase back up to me because it stuck with him forever. That's how impactful it was. But without an audience, nothing is possible. But with an audience, anything is possible. Your audience is your most valuable asset, not your products, not your memberships, not your funnel, not your marketing, not your sales copy, not your ad strategy. Your audience is your most valuable asset. If you don't have an audience, it doesn't matter how good or expensive your product is. You need an audience and you need a really good audience, a loyal audience, a, a supportive audience, a relevant audience. The bigger, the better, but the more loyal and relevant, the better, honestly. So if you're starting out a business right now, I would focus on creating as much content as you can to build as big of an audience as you can and to have as an engaged of an audience as you possibly can. I'd almost say spend the whole year audience building. Don't even worry about a product if you're at the very, 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 very beginning. Because once you have that audience, you can monetize it in any way you can dream up and you'll be fine. But if you're pumping out products and you don't have a good audience to sell it to, that's when people start to go, crap, I guess I gotta run ads. Why? Because you're lazy and you didn't build a friggin' audience. Build an audience by becoming one of the voices in your space. And you do that not with ads. Ads can help, but you do that with free content because A, it's a gift. It's free. You're giving it away. You're giving them a taste, right? You're giving them a little bit of the goods, a lot of bit of the goods. You're building rapport. You're getting them results for free. If you can get people results for free, that's how you build an audience. Don't just run a freaking ad. That's lazy, right? You'll have a more relevant, more loyal, most, more supportive audience if you can give them content that gets them results for free. That's why I do this podcast. I spend time every week trying to teach you something, give you insights, change your mindset, motivate you, help you run a more healthy and more profitable business for free. Why? because you are my most valuable asset. I want to build a really engaged, relevant, loyal audience. Why? Well, because I can sell you my online course, which is awesome, Automatic Income Academy. You should check it out. I can help you join my membership, which is awesome, Graham's Six Figure Coaching Community. You should check it out. It's closed right now, but next time it's open, you can get on the waiting list if you want right now. That's one way I make a living. I can monetize in the future. Let's say I write a book, which is kind of a dream of mine, by the way. Side tangent. Let me know if you'd read a book if I wrote it. If I were to write a book, I have no one to know about it unless I have an audience. So building an audience right now could be valuable to me if I write a book in a few years, because then I can let you know about it and maybe you'll buy it on Amazon and support me, right? If I do speaking engagements and I'm in your town, if I have an audience, I can let you know right? An audience is the most valuable thing you could have. Even if you don't know what you would sell to that audience, just get the audience. You are my most valuable asset. That's why I give you content for free. I'm not building an audience by selling ads. I'm building an audience by doing this. I feel like it's a more noble, more time-consuming, slow, yes, but healthy and 
beautiful way to build an audience. Then you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter if the market's crowded. This is a crowded niche business, especially on- online business is a, is a niche business market. And this niche is already crowded, right? But there's plenty to go around. So you need to change your thinking. A saturated market is a good thing. It proves that it's a proven, hungry, viable market. There's more people out there than you think. You don't need all of them. You just need a small slice to make a really healthy living. And then follow the three tips. Niche down, give better customer service, and just put out more free content than your competition. Those three things will help you stand out even in your overly saturated market. So I want to hear from you. If you're watching, leave me a comment. Let me know what market are you in and do you think it's saturated? And if it is saturated in your opinion, what are you going to do about it this year to stand out? If you're just listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave me a review if you would be so kind, especially on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what episode you listened to and how helpful it was and give it five stars and all that good stuff. And you can also always email me, graham at grahamcochran.com and let me know what you think. I want to know what you think. I want to know what niche you're in. As always, I want to point you to the workshop, grahamcochran.com slash workshop. If you want to build a passive income business, this is the best place to start. Can't even think of a better place to start. It'll teach you how to make what I call an automated money machine. To have an engine pumping out money for you, even if it's 500 bucks a month, but it's passive, is a beautiful thing. And then you can continue to focus on audience building and spin that machine around, 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 faster and faster. And it'll grow and grow and grow. I teach you how all those components work together. So if you want the nuts and bolts of how this business works, go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop and check that out for free and enjoy it as my gift to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Have a great rest of your week and I'll see you on another episode real soon.